I want to give a little bit of background on, on myself, not my whole family, but just me so you guys understand um, the different seasons, the different times, the different transitions in my life. 1992, I was saved. And also, me giving my testimony sort of like spins me up because I'm so thankful for what God has done. When I got saved, I got saved from hell to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I won the lottery when I got saved. I mean, there's no greater lottery than eternal life. There is no greater lottery. There's no nicer motorcycle. There's no nicer Lamborghini. Man, I got eternal life. So I'm thankful for my testimony. I'm thankful for what God did with me. I wasn't raised in the church. I was uh, sort of raised in the Catholic church just on a couple Sundays, whatever. But Jesus touched me in 1992 in, in, in January. I got saved through a street ministry down in the Bay Area, down in California. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just so you know, I'm going to try to fly through this because I just want to go through some times and some seasons in my life because the, the message is seasons. So I got met, saved down in the Bay Area as a radical thing. The night it happened, I was at a church, and I'll go in a little bit of detail this part only, though. <clears throat> I was at a church, and I felt the Holy Spirit come, and I didn't know what it was. I was like, this is, I had a tear come out, Back then, I was a little gang member. You know, I had my pumped hair, my nice clothes, and I was standing there looking all mean and hard with all the other gang members. And then when God touched me, it started in my heart, but it came out in a tear. The guy that was with me saw me, like turned away when he saw me look at him. And I felt, I felt different. And I said, I don't know what this is, and I started running out. And on my way out, a black man had touched me. He grabbed me and said, brother, can I pray for you? And I said, sure, man, do what you got to do. I'm on my way out. I'm leaving. You know, I thought, I thought he was going to pray for me tonight, you know, like later on in his prayers or something. Instead, he had placed his hand on my head, on my nicely. I used to have a real nice haircut with a pump and all that stuff. But he messed my hair up. And I wasn't like, don't picture this big chubby guy, you know, Picture a lean, mean machine, you know. So he puts his hand on my head, and he starts talking in this language. I don't know if he was talking in tongues or if he was talking in Cambodian. I don't know. But he was like, and when he started doing that, this is what happened to me. I, I blacked out. I don't know if I blacked out or got translated or I was. But I do know that I heard the Father's voice. I heard the Spirit speak to me. And he said, Christian, this is your life. Take it and run with it. And when that happened, I saw a book open. The only way I can explain it, it was like a photo album with a whole bunch of pictures, moving pictures that I can see and I can smell and I know. And it just opened up and it showed my whole life before that point, at that point, and in the future. And we lived in California. We never planned on moving to Washington. We thought everyone in Washington was racist. You know, I'm sorry, but I love Washington now. But we had no plans on moving to Washington. But that was in that photo album. There were so many things that have been revealed to me 
from that night. And he recalls those things up as they come up here. It's like a, it's like a deja vu almost, but it's not because he already showed me. And the, some of the things I think I even shared, I said, Dad, I think we're going to move to Washington. He's like, no, we're not. And then we're up here. So that night had happened. I got saved by a street ministry. The, the place that I used to sell drugs and used to gangbang, the next day I was handing out Bibles where cars would run by and pick up drugs or, or shoot the breeze with whatever. I was handing out Bibles. I'd got my whole neighborhood saved. God got my whole neighborhood saved. Praise the Lord. He had, the whole neighborhood, it was on the news. It was, it was in the newspapers, gangsters giving their lives to God. You know, it's pretty cool. The whole school, you know, and it even came to a point where I told my mom one time, my dad was like, thought I joined the cult and that I was crazy because he wasn't saved at that time. My mom had always been a Christian. She was saved, but she kept it to herself. She, you know, she didn't want to deal with that drama with my dad at that point. My sister wasn't saved. I was, I was saved. I'll let you share your own story one day or Scott will, whatever, but I'm sharing right now. And so I told my mom, I said, you know, I've, I've reached everyone in the school. I've reached everyone in our neighborhood. I need to get in jail because that's where the rest of my friends are. And she's like, hey, man, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll just pray about it. And I was like, I don't think she understood. I need to get in jail, and I was about to do something bad to get in jail. <laughs> the next day, this gentleman asked me, hey, Christian, you want to come to juvenile hall and minister to the guys there? The young men I was like yeah absolutely God is faithful so we went there start preaching to young men the whole pods started getting saved uh, the security guards the counselors everyone started getting saved and God was just having his way so then we shifted from there to a, a church we got we got actually we started having church in our house we had like meetings of 60 to 100 people we grew so much in our house that we had to borrow a Spanish I'm gonna mess this up a Spanish church Mexican church not Mexican church a Spanish church to have church service in so then uh, we transitioned from there to a, a normal church the, it's called the mission now that's where uh, you hear Scott talk about Dan McCollum he was our youth pastor at that church he runs a prophetic network and stuff so he counseled me and Sandra I met my wife when I first got saved and and I sort of just told her we're going to be getting married. Was I a prophet back then? <laughs> but uh, anyways, he counseled us and we got involved. I was like the youngest intern there. When we, when we went to that church, we brought about 30 people with us to that church. And then I found ourselves, we moved up to Washington. I was living out Belfair from the city to Belfair, Washington. And this is when there was no Taco Bell out there. I think McDonald's was the only, Subway was the only place out there. And I can't stand Subway. But, so I started getting involved with the youth group out there. I was a youth leader out there. I started taking the kids to downtown Bremerton. I was like, we need to go to the field and get people saved. And so we took van loads of kids from that church. And uh, we ministered, we saw people healed, we saw people saved and stuff. But the church didn't like me taking their kids out in the Bremerton. That's when it was real bad downtown, when there was a lot of punk rock and rock and roll and clubs and stuff, nightclubs down there. So skipping forward a little bit, then um, 
we started going, me, me and Sandra got married, and I started going to uh, the juvenile hall, the Mission Creek Youth Camp for the young men out in Belfair and ministering to them. Again, we saw hundreds and hundreds of guys get their, get their lives turned around, get saved and healed and delivered. Dad started doing that too. <clears throat> and then we started attending a church here, which was Living Waters, but back then it was Eastgate. And me and Sandra, we just sit in the back of the church. And they had a special person come in, and his name was Jerry Gaffney. Jerry Gaffney was my spiritual father. I claim him as my spiritual father. Um, I, I believe he's a great revivalist for our Northwest Territory here. And I met him, and he just looked me in the eye and just started reading my mail, telling me everything. And I didn't know how heavy the Spirit of God can be until that man put his hands on me. He said, fill them. And I got so filled, I got drunk in the Spirit. And I don't, I think you guys sort of like been drinking in the Spirit at the last conference. But I got, I rode my bike there that day. And Sandra was working. And I had blacked out for like three or four hours. They left me in the church. I woke up like three or four hours later and uh, I could barely walk out. I thought maybe someone drugged me, you know? And I'm like, but I felt the spirit. I felt, I felt his goodness. I was like, God, this has gotta be you, you know? <laughs> you know, and I was trying to get on my bike, dude, it looked weird. I'm only a person in front of this church trying to get on my bike and I'm like wiggling and lopping and, dropping my bike, and I had to walk my bike home. So at that point, he started having revival services. He had uh, one in the morning and one in the evening, and it was like six days a week. And we traveled, and we followed him for a little bit and went to a lot of his churches. And so he, he was introduced to the anointing from uh, Toronto, from Rod Rodney Howard Brown, back when Brownsville and that was happening and stuff. So we got the anointing, me and Sandra, like she was on fire and like God was moving. I remember walking by people in church and she's like, Shandabasa, they fall out. Shandabasa, they fall out, you know. I remember we used to pray for the chairs in the church. And we'd pray like, this one's a special one. We're going to pray for this one. Then we'd watch people sit in that chair and fall out, you know. I mean, it, there's nothing special about the chair. We're praying for the soul that sat in the chair. So shifting forward, I can I can get stuck on this. I'm trying to go through it. So a different season, you know. Then we we got the me and Sandra got the anointing, and then at that time, my job was shifting, and, I was, and real estate was booming down in California. I was like, hey, let's move to California. Let's make a lot of money. So we got down there, and we had these dreams of making a lot of money in the real estate market, but God had different plans. He's like, I brought you down here to spread the anointing. And our church, when we first showed up, we weren't sure if, because it wasn't being accepted, this heavy anointing back then, the fire God was being accepted, especially in the Assemblies of God. There was a big division back then. And so we saw Debbie, uh, Pastor Dave and Debbie, and we looked at them and we're like, we didn't even, they didn't even say they'd been to Brownsville, but we saw the fire in their eyes. And I said, Pastor Dave, you know, he goes, oh yeah. 
He goes, we're bringing it here. So he was real, not secretive, but he wanted to capture as many souls as he could. He didn't want to split the body like what was happening in a lot of churches. So he, he, he tried to bring the anointing in as slow and as peaceful as he could. But once he had Cletty Keith from Kentucky show up, and power of God just like, boom, lit that church on fire. I mean, there was, again, we had services like every morning, every night, and it was just booming. Like we're seeing, like, I remember Randy Clark came through and we had a healing service. And some of you may have heard this already, but a man had came and I was one of, I was working the altars and Randy was like, just pray for him and pray that God heals him and they'll be healed. Okay. So this man came, comes in. I said, Hey, how you doing? He goes, my neighbor brought me. And I said, uh, cool. Are you a believer? He goes, no, no, it's just my hands is broken and I'm trying to get healing. Well, okay. I, I not, that's okay. Cool. Well, then you're in the right spot. So we're looking, he starts on bandaging. Actually, I went to shake his hand right after he told me that, and I crushed it, and he screamed. I'm so dumb, right? <laughs> and so I said, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, you just told me your hand was broken. I'm sorry. And it's in a bandage. He starts undoing the bandage. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, you can see the bones sticking up out of the skin. He's crushed his, his hand. And you can see the bones literally poking up in the skin. And I was like, oh, Lord. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, we'll pray for it. But we prayed for it. I said, Jesus, heal this head. And we were both sitting there, and I was holding the bottom of his hand, being real gentle. And and Randy said, survey your guy, whoever you're working with, ask him how it's feeling. All right, how's it doing? And then uh, he said, it still hurts. I said, I know. And then Randy said, we'll pray that God heals it. And right before our eyes, we prayed that God heals it. And we saw the bones start moving in his hand. We saw him go down back into place. I'm like, whoo, praise the Lord. You know, and I couldn't believe it. And I asked him, I said, do you see this? And he's like, yeah, I see it. And I said, he goes, you see it? And I was like, yeah, I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Christian, right? I'm supposed to be the person believing in this stuff. But uh, I was learning, and I've been learning. I've been learning for the last 24 years or whatever it is, whatever it's been now, 22 years. 30. Okay, 30 years. God. So, so I've been learning for all them years that when you start thinking you know everything, you don't know nothing. So I'm in a learning mode. And that's what I want to teach you tonight. Last week I had spoke about, um, actually, Scott had turned and said, you got a word, Christian? I said, yeah. I said, um, I feel like the body here is going to be moving into a different season. Usually you want to hear the season you're moving into. Like, are we moving into a blessing season? Are we moving into a healing season? Or, you know, happiness? You know, am I going to get out of this depression Am I going to get out of this rut? You know, what kind of season am I moving in? God didn't tell me what season the body's moving in. I would have loved to tell you all. I mean, but I think what God wanted to do, this is me thinking, is he doesn't want us to be focused on what's in that season, but the transition into that season. 
And I, I mentioned last week during Wednesday service, I said, I believe God's moving us into a different season, but I don't know what it is. But I do know we can learn some things. And one of the things I mentioned last week is learn the length of your season individually. What is the season? For me, I've learned it's about six years for me to switch into a different season. It's six years. And within those seasons, those seasons, I have like little mini seasons, and they're about three months. I don't know if you guys are rolling with me, but it would be like I'll get favor in certain areas for six years nonstop. Or I'll be in a job for six years, and now God will promote me. Or I'll be in a position in my life for six years, and God will promote me or move me on. And then there's these small ones. Like three, three, I think it's three months, three months. And uh, I get favor like in these, the months of three for some reason. So I'm trying to teach you something tonight. And it's about seasons. So I believe God's moving this body into a different season. One of the things that we look at, and when we're so focused on the destination, like we always talk about these major preachers and stuff like Smith Wigglesworth or John G. Lake and stuff. And I always like, hey, let's look at the Father's face. Let's seek the Father. It's okay to see those things, those awesome things that they did, but we shouldn't be focused on the destination. I think we can learn and focus on where we're at, learn things in the transition to that destination. So I ride motorcycles, I ride Harleys, you know, it's it's not about the destination, it's about the ride. And that's what we say. Like, we get new guys that ride with our group that we ride with. And some guys are like, where are we going? Where are we going? I don't care where we're going as long as we're riding. You know, so I think that's what God wants to do with us in his body. He doesn't want us to be focused on the destination. Pray for the destination. Pray for moving forward. Pray for breaking down all the walls and the barriers. So I love when Car gets up here and she just starts kicking stuff down. You know, I've seen her in the spirit. Like God revealed to me to her in the spirit. And he just, God has, she's like this little girl, this big old giant father behind, you know, protecting. And she's like, move this, move that, move this. God wants us to move and shift into a new season. But he, has, he wants to teach us some things. Some of the definitions I, I just uh, wrote down real quick. Seasons, result of earth changing with regard to the sun. That can be uh, easily reinterpreted. Seasons, result of the earth changing in regards to the sun us changing in regard to the Father. Season. Which season we have transition and shifting. In every season there's a transition of the colors, a shifting of the colors, a shifting of the winds, where they're blowing from. Seasons. Things shift. <clears throat> I'll share one season. I, back in the old season, a few years ago, I couldn't stand 
fall and winter. Especially fall. I like winter because I get to wear clothes. You know, being chubby, you don't get to wear clothes all year long. You know, you got to wear light clothes. But in, in wintertime, you get to wear all your clothes. So, uh, so I, in fall, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was at the time. Why I didn't like fall. No, I think <clears throat> I didn't know what it was at the time. Why I didn't like fall. I didn't know if it was because the trees were always bare, it always gray. And then, you know what? God's like, why? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, I started looking at it. And I had to get back in that learning mode and understand why I didn't like fall. And I didn't like fall because the season I was in back then, it was a season when my kids were younger, about your, your age, and those seasons move so fast. They move so fast. You know, my daughter, Isabel, she's going to be 18. And she used to watch Charlie and Lola. So she, when she was younger, she used to have those, like, little English accent. Charlie. You know, and she was just like, la, 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 I can't even talk like it. But she would, did it so well. And I love those seasons. I love those seasons. The Father loves those seasons. And I struggled with them. So I thought, now looking back, that's why I had a hard time with those seasons. Fall. Because that season always reminds me that season's coming to an end and a new season's starting. And it was hard for me to see my kids go boom, 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 and grow. So that's a little bit about why I used to not like it. But now I, I appreciate the seasons because I see all the great things my kids are doing. You know, all the things that they've accomplished and came through and been tested, you know, and how they stand in opposition sometimes. There's a lot of crap in this world that they're up against. So I appreciate those shiftings of seasons in their lives. So now I appreciate fall. I recognize that I actually love it because I get to wear clothes. <laughs> and also some of my favorite holidays are there, Thanksgiving, you know, football season, Christmas. You know, so I don't have that same perspective anymore. So I'm just sharing that, okay? Daniel chapter 2 verse 21 he changes the seasons he changes the seasons he appoints kings and takes kings down the father is in control of the seasons the father is in control of your seasons Ecclesiastics 3 there's a time and a season for everything That's everyone knows that there was a song written about that right I'm not going to sing nothing but there was a song written. Seasons will happen, which requires change and transition and shifting. What I've learned in the, tr in, in the transition and the changing of seasons are uh, don't lose your focus. 
when you're transitioning from one place or another, don't lose your focus. And I'm just sharing right now what I've learned when I'm transitioning. Don't lose focus. Usually it's uncomfortable. You know, transitioning is always uncomfortable. Me getting up here tonight was uncomfortable. You know, I thought when Scott first said, can you do Wednesday night? It's like, sure, man. Put on a video and watch Bill Johnson. We got it. And then I started thinking all week, are we going to watch the video? I better call him and ask him. No, we're not watching the video. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, the change, the shifting. But in the season of transition, when we're transitioning and we're shifting, if you guys can capture this as young, young people, you'll benefit so much because you'll become familiar with what God's Spirit is doing in your life. It won't hit you off the wall, and you'll seek for change. You'll want change. A lot of times we get comfortable as we grow up and we get stubborn. We don't want to change. But if you guys can master this and understand it, you'll be blessed. Amen. When we're transitioning, another thing I've learned is adapt to the change. Shift gears. You know, shift gears. Sometimes you have to slow down. You have to watch your finances a little bit better for whatever reason. You know, you have to pay special attention to a certain person or a certain something in your life. We have to be sensitive. Let's not be so focused on what the next season holds, but let's focus on the transition and who's important and what's important, what God is doing right now. I wrote down, some sense change, but stay focused on the now and not where they are shifting to. And then opposite, some shift too fast and focus on the season and not on the transition. And it turns out not healthy somehow. That's just a little note I wrote. So I think we'll look at some scriptures. You are probably hear, tired of hearing what I have to say. So... If you have a Bible, if you don't, I'll put it up on the screen. Psych. I'll, 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 just, I'll, just, I'll just read it. He's like, do, 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 do. Um, math, uh, in John chapter 4. This is one of my, my favorite scriptures to preach on. I can preach this. When Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman, Jesus was transitioning in chapter four. He was coming from Judea and headed to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria to get there. So the, he was transitioning. He was him and the disciples were moving from one place to another. And I'm not saying that's a season, but they were transitioning, they were changing, they were shifting one place to another. But what I've, what I've learned in this, verse 7, Jesus is cool. Jesus stops at the well and talks to a woman he ain't supposed to be talking to. 
You know what the disciples were doing? Because they were transitioning. They were shifting. The disciples were running to McDonald's because they knew they needed to fill up. They needed to get those, those snacks for the road trip. You know, the disciples were moving into town to fill up. But Jesus was seeking what the Father was doing. He saw what the Father was doing. Jesus, while he was transitioning somewhere, he stopped for the one. The one at the well. And as that Samaritan woman. He was, I can, I'm trying to, I can preach this. I can really get into preaching this. I'm not, I'm not going to. But I'm going to stick to the notes because I love preaching this. He asked the woman for a drink trying so hard not to keep going on it because there's so much good stuff with this. The whole town was saved because he ministered to this woman. But I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Verse 8. The disciples gone into town to buy food. Verse 8. Jesus was focused on the one in verse 7. Verse 8. The disciples were focused on the destination. Not on the transition. And not on what was important in that transition. What is important to you in your season right now? You know, sometimes we're we're stuck somewhere, and we want to just get past, past the gro- broken cars, past the late mortgages, past the the financial problems, past the relationship problems, past the arguing. And we've become focused on the destination. But what is God trying to teach you? What is, what is that one person? What is that thing that he's trying to teach you right now as he transitions you into the next season? It's important we learn that. What is the Father doing? Don't be so quick and so focused on the destination that we miss what the Father is doing right now. John chapter uh, chapter 20 verse 14 I'll turn you want to put that on the screen okay. All right. 20 verse 14 this is where this is our Easter message I'm a little late right but Jesus is ascending into heaven, right? Mary went to the tomb looking for Jesus. You know, in the Bible, it always talks about when angels showed up, they always say, like, behold, do not be afraid. You know, every time an angel showed up, it always said, do not be afraid, right? I mean, always, I've always heard those preachings. I've seen it in the Bible. But this one, it doesn't say that. Mary went to the tomb, and someone had moved her father. Someone moved her king, and she started crying out and welling because someone had moved her king. She saw angels down there, and the angels are like, he's gone. And she's like, I don't know if it was the gardener or the angels she was talking to, but she's like, tell me where he's at, and I'll go find him and bring him back or whatever. You know, the angels didn't, didn't say he didn't hear say do not be afraid she wasn't she wasn't afraid she was seeking the father she caught the attention 
of Jesus who was ascending to heaven. Jesus appeared to her, the one. The first person he appeared to was Mary Magdalene. While he was ascending, he had already died on the cross, and now he's ascending up to the Father. She caught the Father's attention while he was ascending. Jesus was transitioning. And I think we can learn something from this. While we're focused on a destination, we should all be focused on heaven and ascending to heaven. But what is God doing? Who is Mary in our life? What is in our life? What in our life is, is important? What is God doing here right now? What needs the attention from us? What is the one in our life? Who is the one? Who is, who is Mary in our life? Transition, change. What are we supposed to be focusing on? I think we can learn when Jesus shifted. He was looking to the Father to go be seated in heaven. He was ascending, and he shifted to what was important. God hasn't told me what season we're moving into. Maybe you know. Let me know. I don't know what season I'm moving into. I've learned over the years, again, my seasons are like six years, three months, something like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm practicing them, and I'm continuing to learn. It's like this past this past three weeks three weeks someone asked me goes how's your job doing maybe it was my mom someone asked me how's your how's your job going i was like i don't know usually i'm like it's going good man i'm owning my job i'm 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 love it you know whatever but i felt like something's changing and i think i said that i said something's changing So in the supernatural, I look for seasons, but also in the physical, in my work, everything I do, I look for seasons. And so, you know, I answered her or, or, or so, whoever I was talking to. I said, things are changing. You know, something in me is shifting. And then, uh, then I had a dream. We went on vacation down to California our first day back. I was going to work the next morning. And uh, at that night before I went to work, I had a dream that my boss had quit. And uh, I went into work and I wanted to tell him because it was one of those dreams that are vivid. You know, it's like one of those God dreams. For me, they're super vivid. They're really colorful. You know, my other dreams, I forget stuff. But these dreams, I can usually wake up, write them, and repeat them. And I saw my boss. I don't know my boss because he was a new guy. And the next day I went to talking to the guys. I was like, hey, do you think uh, James is going to stick around? Oh, yeah, he's, he's planted here. Him and his wife just got jobs here. They just moved from Idaho. They're sitting down. They're settling. It's like, I don't know, man. You know, and these aren't believers I'm talking to. And uh, one of them I told him. I said, hey, man, I had a dream last night. He quit. He's like, yeah, he's not quitting. So I went to a meeting. When I came back, everyone in the office was talking about 
Hey, Christian, you know that dream you had? Quit. He quit while I was in the meeting. And then my boss called and said, hey, I need you to fill in for this position. You know, so I'm just trying to tie it. You know, where I thought something's changing. You know, something's changing. I got promoted temporarily into this new position. And with that, but because of the God dream, I was asked, do you want it permanent? And that's a good, nice promotion. And based on the dream, I'm like, absolutely. You know, my season's changing, dude. You know, and that's some of the benefits of when you know your season. You're able to stand on it. You hear his voice and you move on it. I was talking to a friend of mine. He was walking across the Warren Avenue Bridge, and uh, he thought he was supposed to minister to someone, and uh, he just got too scared. He He's like, no, I'm too scared. He walked, passed, walked right past him, and then he walked, kept walking, and he, he was telling me this story. He's like, God, you know how you do it? You, you negotiate with God? Yeah, God, you bring him back by me again. I'll tell him this. Sure. And... So he's walking back across, going back to work, because he walks during lunch, and he sees the same guy walking towards him again. And he's like, man, I know what I said to God, but I still got scared, you know. And luckily, the guy said, threw some scripture at him, you know. But uh, the more you are obedient and recognize seasons, the more you recognize his voice, you're able to stand on it a lot easier. You've heard me share up here a few times and pray a few times. Divine appointments. Set divine appointments. Set appointments for us to minister to people, to touch people, to set people free, to save people for his kingdom. Because the only thing we're taking out of this world are souls. That's the only thing that matters. So we talked about John chapter 20, verse 14, where Jesus is ascending, and then Mary's crying out, and he shows up to Mary, first person. And then he also, in uh, chapter 20, verse 19, I'll read this one. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Okay, stop. This is where it gets good. Because the disciples, Jesus has been crucified on the cross. Now his body's missing. The the disciples are all tripping out. They're locked and hiding out. They're stressing. How am I doing on time? 844. Better get moving. So the disciples are stressed out. They're locked away in this room. And they're just like, I, I can just see them up there, you know, being all negative, like, man, our God's gone, you know, man, we were backing the wrong dude, you know, like tripping out like that. <laughs> there even, it even says the door was locked. These guys were really tripping. And then it says, Jesus came and stood among them. Jesus had to be a prankster, like me and my dad and his family, they joke around a lot. Like, they'll pinch you when you're not looking or throw rod on you or just, we prank a lot. And when, 
usually a prankster can pick out another prankster. You see how they act sometimes. And Jesus, man, like, they're all being all negative, and then Jesus just appears. He's like in the middle of the room. And like, they're so caught up in their garbage, they don't even recognize it. Jesus had to point out the holes, the piercings in him. Then they recognized who he was. I mean, isn't that cool? Like, Jesus, like, the, the word could have been a lot better, I think. Like, Jesus, like, when it says the door was locked, the word could have said, then Jesus turned the lock without even touching it and stepped through the doorway. Like, we could have had some cool Bible studies on that. But instead, Jesus just, like, appears. And he's like, I see him like David Chappelle up there, like, just looking around, the comedian. What are y'all talking about, you know? I just see it. Like, they're just, like, murmuring, oh, no, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I've been following this guy, been working, losing everything, you know. And then Jesus is right there in the middle. They don't even notice him until he says, hey, you see this? You know who this is? Then they're ecstatic. That changed, right? Something else happened here. We better read this word. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said, Peace be with you. That's something else I learned. See if I still have some notes. Jesus says, peace be with you. So Jesus is ascending again. I mean, he's still ascending, right? He's still transitioning. He talks about in the Bible he wasn't like fully transitioned yet. That's why he could just appear places. He was in between the physical and the supernatural, right? He's bringing heaven on earth, but going up to heaven, right? And then he speaks peace. He speaks peace into their circumstances, into what they were dealing with. And sometimes that's all we need the Father to do is speak peace. And that's what he is doing. We have to recognize that Jesus is speaking peace into our lives. And it's not... When he's speaking peace, he's speaking change the atmosphere. Peace into everything that you're doing. So Jesus, again, he's ascending. He's transitioning somewhere. He's go- Jesus is going to the next season. He's going to sit in heaven with the Father, right? I mean, that's the ultimate season, right? That's where, that's where we're all focused on going, right? We're all going to heaven. We're all looking... That's our, our final destination. That's our final season, right? Eternity with the Father. Like, we ain't hurting. We don't have to pray for healing no more. We don't have to pray for stuff anymore. Everything's going to be. But Jesus speaks peace. Where they were focused on all the garbage and stuff. 
he spoke peace. And he, trans, he was not only transitioning, but then he transitioned the disciples at that point. Again, again, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone for sins, they will be forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus was in transition himself up to his final destination. But then at this point, when everything's all tangled up, you don't know where to go, why you're going. He speaks peace into your circumstances. You might be in a place where you don't understand where you're going or why you're going or why you're here in Washington and why you're here working at the shipyard. But Jesus is speaking peace. Trust me. I got you. Amen. Jesus is speaking peace into your guys' lives. And he's also transitioning you. And that's what this message is about. Amen. So I hope you learned something. I've learned a couple things being saved 30 years, whatever it has been, since 1992. Do the math. 32. All right. Um, transition and seasons are a good thing. But let's not focus solely on the destination that we forget what we're around, who we're around, and what are the needs in that transition. Let's take time to love those around us, to take time to spend time with those around us, take time of serving. The other, nah, I'm not going to go in there. I think we need to wrap it up because it's 9 o'clock. So if everyone could stand, we're going to wrap this up. We'll do the, the church thing. Close your eyes. Search your hearts. We, I believe and Scott believes. He, shared, he sent me a text message after I gave that word last week. And he says, yes, I totally agree about the changing of the seasons. Good things are happening. Good things are coming. A real encouraging text he sent me. But I believe the same thing for you guys tonight, that we're shaking seasons. And then this season, I may not know where you're going. You may not know where you're going. But there's some things that we need to learn to look for. There's some things we need to pay attention where we're at today. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just start begin to minister to the hearts here, Lord. Search their hearts. Reveal to us, Lord, what you're doing, Lord, in this season. This season of change. Why we're changing and transitioning. Why we're moving and shifting forward, Lord. Reveal to us, Lord, what's important to you and what is not important. Show us what you want us to focus on. I feel it in the spirit right now. God is showing you what he wants you to focus on. Right when I said that, I felt a, a move in the spirit. 
If you agree with that, just shake your head. Amen, 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 amen. Yes, jackpot tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we agree with what you're shifting, Lord. Lord, we we pay special attention to what you're doing in this season of change. We pay special attention in this time of transition. We honor you in every step we take. Lord, thank you for this house, Lord. Thank you for your body, Lord. Lord, I speak to the hearts and souls that are here today, tonight. I speak divine appointments, that you will bring divine appointments across their path. Lord, that you will bring people into their lives to minister to, to reach out and heal, to set free souls this week. Lord, it's a blessing to do your work. And we thank you, Lord, for letting us be part of it. We thank you for the plans you have for us. Jeremiah 29 11 says, plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Give us hope in the future, and we stand on your word, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. Church is over. If anybody needs prayer for anything, I'll be up here for a couple minutes or whatever time is needed. Go ahead and step forward, and we'll pray for you. If not, there's refreshments over there. Scott said there was a sign up there that says take one. But you guys, since he's not here, you can take as many as you want. <laughs> but uh, anyways, thanks, thanks for letting me come speak. I love you guys. I love this body. I love this house. Amen.